Let me see you put them up. Reach the skies, touch the stars up above. Cause it's one time for the underdog. One time for the underdog. I'm Patrick B.D.B. host of and today I sat down with somebody who considers themselves a mafioso, a gangster, but a gangster from New York who did security for Cray Twins, one of them when they had their funeral. He's the one that brought a thousand security guards. That's David Courtney. This man is full of stories, so get ready to be entertained on this podcast. How are you, sir? Pleased to meet you, my friend. Yes, it's good to meet you. Yeah, you good? You have a very interesting resume. It's a, a, a very interesting resume. <laughs> very interesting yeah, yeah, yeah. resume. And I'm afraid half of it's true. Yeah. <laughs> See, that's what makes it interesting. The fact that half of, if if 10% of it is true, it's interesting, let alone half of it. So when I read up on you, you know, you see the word celebrity gangster. You were a, you worked security with the Cray Twins, Cray Twins, the movie in America, you know, with Tom Hardy, I think it was called Legend is what it was called. And right. yeah, they've done yeah, some yeah. of the movies about him, real a neat movie. You've associated with some interesting people in your life. How did you become a gangster? Like, how did you get into this world yourself? Um, I, don't, I don't really think you can blame your environment of how you turn naughty. You can't say there was no green areas for me to play on and the classrooms were too packed, so I ended up robbing a post office. You can't say that. You're born naughty. Yeah? Well, you're born. You're saying you're, you're born. born. Yeah, I do say that. Oh, you believe yeah. that? I truly believe that. So you believe don't that. think it's association? My mum and dad are God-fearing Cub and Scout leaders, yeah, so there is no reason at all I ended up like this. I was born with the genes, they're just in me. I cannot blame Scarface or a computer game or a rapper for my behaviour, yeah? It might influence me if I'm skint, I can't blame it on that because you are born naughty. And the people that are not born naughty, that try to be naughty, they're the ones that ended up being snitches and cowards and doing the wrong thing on the day and making the deal with the police. And that word, celebrity gangster, that is a media word. Yeah, the two words don't go, mm. celebrity gangsters. Yeah. It's like saying police intelligence, yeah? The two <laughs> words just don't go, yeah. you, you know. So, but, but I read something about at nine years old, you had something that inspired you, you know? Something happened that inspired you at around nine years old and what was um, that, what took place? Was there any specific event? I can't actually get one event. I'm afraid, however cocky this might sound, you do actually get natural leaders and natural soldiers. Yeah? I agree with that. You've got to know what you are as quick as possible and try not to be put into the wrong category. Okay. Because each one is as exactly the same importance as the other one. And luckily, I am a leader. At a very early age, I realised that the art of delegation is as important as the days of the best fighter was the one in charge of the firm. That is very Neanderthal, that's a bit Conan. Mm. Yeah, Conan the Barbarian, you know, always the best fighter on the firm isn't always the most intelligent. Maybe he's a little bit, not the sharpest pencil in the mm -hmm. box, yeah, but you know, and it's horses for courses. And I was very good at delegating who, what, where. At what age? At what age did you, did you identify oh, listen, that? You're born with that. Right? You can't learn that. But did you? Are you the older brother? Or are you? The I'm the older brother. Yeah. So I, I'm not. I'm not a massive family. One brother, one sister. One brother, one sister. Did you have a lot of cousins? Did you have? A lot yeah, of I had a lot of cousins, but but, but I was a, definitely the black sheep of the family. My my biggest weapon that I have. I can read you quicker than you would want me to. Sorry, I could read you quicker than you'd want me to, and um, humour is of maximum importance to me. Yeah, laughing keeping it funny, keeping it on a good bounce in every single thing I do. Whether you're sitting outside a house waiting to shoot someone, you can either be sitting there shitting yourself or just try and keep it good humoured. Yeah, I never know what problem is going to knock on my door 24 hours a day. And as long as I'm ticking over in a good, happy, bouncy mood all day long, I handle all them problems better that I'm in a good mood mm. than I am if I'm walking around with the ump. I don't do that. Yeah, most of the people I know do, but I don't do that. You didn't touch the That's drugs. not my thing. Really? Yeah, I'm Ever. not saying I'm... No, 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 I don't do that. I'm not saying I haven't had a puff, I don't have a good drink now right. and then, yeah, but I've watched it turn heroes of mine into assholes. Huh. I don't do that. And I don't ever want to be in a position where, because of what I tell people to do gets done, that I ever have to make a decision while I'm wired, yeah? Mm. And I went, well, just put an hole in him. And I didn't really mean that, just because I was flying. Got it. So I don't do that. What you see is what you get. 
Yeah, that is very unenviable way to live. You're February 1759, is that, is that yeah, one? Yeah, February wow. 1759. Yeah, so, so I watch to see, connect the dots, to see where does your wiring come from. So obviously it's not your parents, because your parents are, you said, God-fearing, yeah, yeah, you yeah. know, good people doing what yeah. they're doing, and you learn at an early age that you had the delegation part. So when would you say was the first time you committed your first crime where you're like, you know what, I enjoy doing it. Was there something that you yeah, enjoyed? Yeah, listen, listen, I never looked at it as crime. Okay. I was enjoying myself. I was being center of attraction. I didn't look at it as I was being extra brave or I was the courageous one, right. yeah? I didn't realize I was gifted at having a fight until quite later on in my life. I never had to. I hung around with all the big kids, all the naughty kids, 13, 14 and 15, my friends were 20. So I never had to have a fight. They were all doing it for me. How old was your first fight? How old were you when you Oh, I can't know. Oh, you have your fights at school and all that, but that's not worth talking about. But the first real battle... I'm like I a had, real fight. Like a... Oh, the first real battle I had was um, with a builder one day in a pub who had the belt on with the hammer and the... And, and the screwdrivers, and it, it just looked the scariest thing in the world, do you know what I mean? And it was the first real man-to-man battle I can remember having to have. Now, you're famous for saying you, you can outfight and outdance almost any man. You've said yeah, that. Yeah. You said. But I cheat. I use a knuckle duster. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's my choice Gives of weapon. Gives I truly believe in this. If you are someone that has to carry a weapon for your day job, a sure. prison officer, a doorman, a debt collector, a soldier, whatever, yeah, you must choose the weapon that you are prepared to do the prison sentence for, right? What I mean by that is if you choose to carry a gun or a knife, mm-hmm. forget the time you're going to pull the knife and save your life. What will most probably happen is you'll be driving down a road, hit someone up the arse in his new car, he will jump out of his car, drag you out, stop banging you, and you would, if you had it in your pocket, go, right, and get 20 years because you dented his bumper. Yeah, if he was walking around Tesco's and you trod on his foot, and he just had a corn operation, and he turned around and started beating you up, and you had it in your pocket, mm. you would go and get 20 years. because you. Right? So don't carry the weapon you don't want to do the prison sentence for. A knuckle duster, you will go bang, knock him out, and that's it. He ain't going to die. His jaw will go over there. You might get 18 months, and I don't mind getting 18 months every time I have a fight. But I'm not going to risk getting life imprisonment every time I have to fight somebody. You're that calculating. Whatever we're going to call it, choose the weapon you don't mind doing the bird for. Yeah? And I don't mind getting 18 months here, there, as if I get caught. But because I wrapped mine up in plaster and no one ever saw that I had it on, they just thought I was the best puncher in the world, you know, knocking them out all over the place, yeah? And, and I run a big team of doormen in London just before the rave seen it, so I had about 800 flat-nosed, bald-headed thugs working for me. So in, and I was like a job centre in the week. So on a Friday, Saturday and Sunday night, they were doormen. But all week, they just sat home in the gym. So if anyone wanted somebody beat up, their car repossessed, some squatters thrown out, whatever, yeah, you, wouldn't, you might not know to ask, but you know the doormen of the nightclub, you know, the eight guys all standing there like that, they will either do it or they will know where to point to get it done. So all of a sudden, I had a... 900 strong army reporting to you this reporting situation. to me yeah yeah and then the rave scene came in you know acid and the yeah. drug scene came in what year is that what year is the rave scene a late 80s yeah yeah okay. mid 80s yeah 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 well you were earning 100 150 pound a night as a wages as a doorman yeah now they were selling these ease in the nightclub at 20 pounds each and it was the doorman that controlled that yeah the doorman controlled you can come in and sell them Right? I get X amount of pounds for letting you do that and I will do my job and throw everyone else out that's selling them. So I look like I'm doing my job, the police are happy with me, I'm throwing them out, everyone, but I'm leaving you in there, you give me a thousand pound a night to sell them. And that way you've got no other competition in there. So, and then all of a sudden you're earning four or five grand a night. So now you're, it's worth getting involved in a drug war for when it's people turning up going, I want to be the doorman here with guns. We want to run this club. It's worth fighting for because you're now going home with a thousand pound a night wages. Yeah, so you're involved in drug wars. Then it all goes, it's a slow, yeah. uh, slow process, but it turned into that way. And then my, door, my army of debt collectors, car repossession, throwing squatters out, turned into an army in the authorities' eyes of drug-dealing English gangsters, which I suppose we 
moulded into but didn't set, set out to be. Do you understand what uh, I mean? Yeah. No one set out to be, I want to go and be a G. Yeah, nobody does want to be a G, but sometimes, like you said something earlier, so, I mean, that's, that's late 80s, early 90s. Let's go back a little bit. So let me ask you, say I'm in high school with you, okay? We're 16, 17 years old. Who were you in high school? I was the funniest guy in high school. I was the cult jester. And I've handled the cult jester thing in the, in the big gangster situations I've been in, in life-threatening situations I've been in. When I've been in the Old Bailey, at the Old Bailey, I went dressed as a cult jester with the bells and not the policeman out in, in the court. Yeah, I've been, when I've been in prison, I've played the court jester in prison. It's kept me out of trouble. I haven't had to hang around with the blacks, the whites, the Muslims, the non-Muslims, the hard nuts, the cowards, the gay. I was a court jester, I was everyone's, yeah? Giggly, jokey, laughy. When it comes down to being serious, then I can be as serious as anyone else. If not, I have a very, very scary phone book, mate. Yeah, it's not what I can do anymore, is it? It's not that. It's, it's who I can fucking bring yeah. up. So, Does that go all the way back to then as well or yeah, no? Yeah, of course, yes. It's what you can call up. That's what makes you important. That's what makes you scary. Yeah, if I can call on the Russians, the Albanians, the Somalians, the Chinese, the Yardi, the IR, if I can call them up, I don't have to be a good fire. I'll just get you f***ed up on my telephone. Let's say choose a weapon, let me get to something. If you let me get to my phone, I don't care what situation I'm in, what country I'm in, if you let me get to my phone, I can f*** you. So choice of weapon has changed to phone now. Telephone, 100%. 100%. Wow. Let me get that and I'll beat you. Wow. Like you said, you have to be born with it, which is great. But you said something earlier. You said, I never touched a blow. I never touched a Coke. I never uh, touched uh, a Coke. I've had a puff. I've done that. But let, yeah. listen, listen. Cocaine is the weirdest drug in the world for me to actually even understand. Because right? any, any drug you take, if you take acid, you know you've had a bit of acid. If you smoke a bit of weed, you know you've had a bit of weed. If you've had a bit of amphet, you know you've had a bit of amphet. Mm. Yeah? If you have a bit of cocaine and you go, all right, you, they say, I'm all right. Nothing wrong with me, I'm cool. Well, I don't want to be f***ing cool if I've paid £50 for something. I want to feel something, but cocaine makes you think you're all right. You, you feel like you can shag everything in the room, but you can't get an hard on. It makes you talk like a complete b Yeah, If you ever get arrested while on cocaine, the hardest thing in the world to do is go, no comment. No, I'm not saying nothing. Okay, I'll tell you a little bit. I'll tell you a little bit. Yeah, what is that? What is that? And they're walking around saying there's nothing wrong with it. No one who takes cocaine and you ever say to them, how do you feel? And they go, oh, I'm out my nut. They don't say that. They say, mm. I'm all right. I don't want a drug that makes me be all right. I took it for something. Interesting. And it's the only drug in the world that you give it away. You don't go up to the counter and buy a pint of lager and say to someone, do you want half of that? Or you go shopping and get half of your shopping and put it in another bag and go over that. But if you get cocaine, every time you go and have a bit in the toilet, you go, do you want some? And you give half of it away. It's the most expensive drug there is. And that's the one that you give it away before you've even took it. You're giving half of it away. Do you want a line? Do you want a line? Should we have a No one snips off and has it. You go off and, and make sure you find someone to give half of it away to. It's fucking crazy. It ain't got a bit of me. Completely <laughs> different perspective. Yeah. But, but you were saying, you said you, the reason you didn't do it is because you saw someone, so many of your heroes and so people you like that, yeah. So who were some of your heroes? Well, I've, I've still got some, but like, I don't want to put them in the same category. Of course. Sure, you can categorize yeah, them if yeah, you want yeah. to. Yeah, I mean, I've, I was a very close friend of the Cray twins. Okay. Charlie Cray lived in my house. I was, the, I was his character reference in his last court case. He got, he got 12 years. It didn't do him a lot of good. I buried uh, Ronnie Cray, I'd done all the security for his funeral. That propelled me into sort of um, naughty boy stardom. Why yeah? do you think that is? is it well, because I don't know what so I think it is, I'll tell you exactly what happened. Please. Now. I'll give you a little, I'll give you a little running of how Dave Courtney grew, yeah? Sure. I'm doing the doorman, yeah? I'm doing this doorman thing. I made one little documentary about, it's called The Bermondsey Boy, and it was about a man preparing to go to prison. And they, they're filming me doing the doors, and they, they knew I was going to go to prison. There were seven witnesses against me, and, they've got, and they had permission from the Home Office to film me when I come out and whether prison had worked and how many friends stayed loyal and all that. And on the day before I went to prison, somebody visited all these witnesses and they didn't turn up. So they'd done this documentary of Dave Courtney, the debt collector, car repossession, rent a clump, you know, and all that. So they got all the bad bits, and then it was going to be easy to make it look like I was a... 
a reformed character because they filmed so much bad. But then I got not guilty. But I didn't know what to do with the documentary, so they just put this documentary on the telly. This is 30 years ago. Of this raving lunatic running around doing all these things with thousands of bald-headed blokes all on his side. And what made me different is I'm multiracial myself, yeah? My wife is Jamaican. You know, I have my own mixed-race children. So at that time, white skinheads and black men weren't really genuinely on the best of frame of mind. There was genuine, real... Animosity? Yeah, 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 yeah. This is 80s? Yeah, 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 early, you know. My choice of lady made my army multiracial. Yeah, they didn't mind working for me, so I had 600 big black guys, 600 Muslims, 800 white fellas. You know what I mean? It didn't matter to me. You're on my side. You, you know, if you, if you, the Marines take on all comers, don't they? You understand mm. me? You're all fighting for the same cause, but you're that, you're that, you're that. And that's exactly the same as what I... My army grew, the reputation grew, because of the documentary, the Cray Twins wanted to get to know me, so I went to go and see them. I was running all the door, all of the nightclubs, the Stringfellows, the Hippodrome, the Ministry of Sound, all my dormers. So they wanted a little bit of it, you understand what I mean? And to do that, they had to get on with me. Well, I was a young, impressionable man at the time. Couldn't believe I'm going to meet the Crays. It's like you go, yeah. Um, How old were you at John the time, Go first time you met him? About 26, something like that. You were 26 when you first met. Yeah, yeah. And at that time, were they in London? Were they gods? No, no, no they... they were all in prison then. Oh, they, they were, were in prison. Were in okay, prison. got it. Let, let, me, let me explain this. No one or nothing is as big as a myth. Mm -hmm. No one or nothing is as big as a myth. Not the Cray Twins, not Dave Courtney, maybe not even John Gotti, Al Capone. And, yeah, yeah, I mean, not, not as big as the myth, you know, or as romantic. The real nitty-gritty bit isn't the same, yeah? Crime is only glamorous in a book or on a big screen. It's not really. You know what I mean? Absolutely. It's not really. Yeah. Right. This propelled me into like a, a, a naughty boy stardom thing, yeah? And so now the Cray Twins died. Now, I looked at that as the biggest and best security job, because I had a security company, mm -hmm. that I was ever going to get. There's CNN driving around, there's, right, you know, and most criminals are supposed to conduct themselves like this. They stay in the shadows with their collar up, no pictures, no comment, mm -hmm. you know, it's, it's a dirty business and all that. And I chose the best 150 army that I could choose to do the security for that day. I had Mr. Glasgow, Mr. Newcastle, Mr. Liverpool, Mr. London, Mr. Brighton, Mr. Leeds, Mr. Manchester. These were Listen, when I see them all meet at my house in the morning, I wanted to invade Iraq. You know, I was like, you know, you can't, I'm too old to say that, but wow, it made you hard, yeah? You're looking at them and it's like, I'm looking at it as the best show of force you can get. They're all coming there to show the, or come there to show respect to the to the Ronnie Cray, yeah, the, mm -hmm. you know the sort of you know the mythical king of the underworld, and a lot of these people never really got on with each other. But for that day, and there was three quarters of a million people there, and I needed a proper little hundred and fifty. Three quarters of a, a million, million. Three quarters of a million, million people there. Yeah, come come to see Ronnie Cray get buried. As many as Lady Diane Winston Churchill, and I had a meeting with the police, chief of police. And you know they say things in your life that you wish you could cut your tongue out because you should never have said it. Sure. Uh, my big one was I had a meeting with the chief of police at the time and I was sitting there talking away about the security and blah, blah, blah. And I'm a little cocky attitude, yeah? Uh, he was sitting there with Charlie Cray and myself and all these other people. And he said, well, the one thing we, you've got, Mr. Co that we've got, Mr. Courtney, that you haven't, that your little band of men haven't got. And I went, hold on a minute. I said, before we start being rude to each other, I said, the truth is this, I'm only trying to help you. I said... The church holds 250 people. There's going to be a million out there. If you don't know the right 250 people to let in, they are going to get the ump of them policemen, yeah? And if that policeman says, you can come to the hole in the ground at the cemetery and you've got to wait outside, if you say that to the wrong person, they are not, you know, they're not policemen fans, right? So I think the best thing you lot can do is line the streets and leave the security of this to me and mine because I know what I'm talking about and who I'm talking to. Who do you let come into the funeral parlour and kiss Ronnie's dead body and who do you say no to? If you're saying no to the wrong person, you're going to get smacked in the mouth, mate. You you're telling this to them, to, to them, the chief, yeah? yeah. And he's not liking it, but he can't argue with me or saying a bit nasty back because he's chief of police. So he has to talk to me like that, yeah, right? So he went, well, the one thing we have got, Mr. Courtney, that your little band of men haven't. He said, not everyone is a Cray Twin fan. He said, there could be an assassination attempt. And the one thing we've got that you haven't got, he said, is firearms. Now, 
could I cut my tongue out? What I said was, please, let me tell you something. The one thing you've got that we haven't got is firearm certificates. I said, we've all got fucking guns. <laughs> and I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have said that because that made me an instant enemy of someone that, from that day on, he went, destroy Dave Courtney, yeah? Destroy anything he does or thing. That hurt me. That genuinely collapsed my little world in that comment. Right? But for that day, instead of hiding in the shadows and the thing, I made it that the world is looking at this funeral. They were looking at all of me and mine to big it up. Yeah, and I was determined to give you lot over there in America something to look at. You understand what I mean? If when John Gotti got buried, I sat and watched it all day. Yeah, you understand mm -hmm. what I mean? Not my telly. Of course. I knew you were going to, so I made sure you had something to look at. But what I didn't realise is that the authorities, the police, looked at looked at that as the very first time of visual proof of organised crime. They said that's one criminal celebrating the life of another criminal has organised all these other criminals to come down here and do their thing. That's organised crime. Let me ask you, at that time, was it public in, in London? Was it public already that there was organised crime? Did they all yeah, know yeah, about it? Did yeah, they but talk no one about knew it? at what extent it could be if it wanted to, yeah? With the, with, with the invention of the mobile phone and the computers and all that shit. Yeah, but no one actually knew how organised crime could be until mm. there was visual proof of it. The police might have had odd little things of, Wow, 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 no new things. But the general public was not aware of... Really? So one man could call up all the firms in London and yeah. England and Scotland and Wales and Ireland, the Yardies and IRA and Triads and f***ing Yakuza and all that. One man can call that up and all get them all standing at the side of a road to protect one man. Wow. We've never seen that before. And that made them go wow as well and put a little clamp down on everything that Dave Courtney done. So that's when the populace started realizing who you are. Is that yeah, when yeah. You, you the next day I was in the front page of the paper as celebrity gangster, heir to the throne. I don't want that title. Where'd you go after that title? No one runs off in the gangster world into the sunset or lives happily ever after, mm -hmm. yeah? You get a 35 years wrapped around you or a belly button in the forehead you didn't want. And I don't want that. So I quickly, just as publicly, tried to go, no, and wrote a book, Stop the Ride, I Want to Get Off. Yeah, I'm, I could see that because the more famous you get for being naughty, the less naughty you can be. Interesting. Right? The more famous you get for being naughty, the less naughty you can That's I right. couldn't even get out of my car and go bang to the geezer in the car beyond because everyone would say, Dave Courtney done it. I see him on the telly. I know him. I can't even be a debt collector no more. I can't run in your house and throw you around the front room and threaten you and get the money off you. You'll go, Dave Courtney done it. I know him. I see him on the telly. Hmm. I can't do it. You have to use different methods. Like, if I then woke you up at three in the morning with a balaclava on, just like where you're lying in bed with your wife, and another couple of geese has got, no, excuse me, excuse me, oh, shush, love, shush, shush. It's about that £700,000, yeah? Shush, love. It's about that £700,000, mate. I know you ain't got it in the bedside cabinet. I'll give you a week. All right, babe, be quiet. All right, I'll give you a week, and I will be back here in a week, and if I don't get it, the next time you see me, I'll give you an old there. Right? No, no, don't worry, I won't nick no ornaments here, yeah? I won't wake the kids, but sort the f money out. Right? That was a new way of doing it, rather than running in and going, you owe him money, and right? so it all went up a gear. Hmm. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah. Did it hurt your business? It hurt, it crucified yeah, my business. I, I did, they yeah. closed down my door company the next day. They didn't hide it, they went into the nightclubs and went, you employing Dave Courtney's security, then you won't have a, you won't have a license for a Come television, on. let alone a nightclub, sack him. I mean, that's the fastest way to right. put you out of business. And they, they did it, the they did it, you know, and then the school was saying to me, would I please pick up my children down the road, because they didn't want me walking in the playground to collect my kids because... I was unnerving the other parents and... So how do you make money after that? How, how, what was your form of making money? Well, my form of making money was the debt collecting, the car repossession, the door company. No, I know, but after that, after how do you that, do it? After that, it crucified me. After that, they've done everything. So I then went into the entertainment world. I started doing a bit of the films, uh, made a couple of albums, wrote a few books. And, and it was all working because there was freedom of the press then, right? There was freedom of the press. They could write about anyone they wanted. If they thought it was interesting, they could put me on as guest speakers on their show. You're saying there isn't today? No, 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 of course not. No, no, no. There's now a, there's now a genuine law in England where you cannot glamorise crime. So if I gave my book to a book critic, mm -hmm. he would give it back to me and say, I'm not allowed to do that, Dave. Because I'm not allowed to say 
it's any good. By law, I'm not allowed to say it. You can do it in your country. In this country, I'm not, I'm not allowed to be on any game shows, any chat shows, any radio. My name is now flagged. If anyone goes to write about me in the press, it has to go to Scotland Yard first. And if it's anything, oh, Dave's this or Dave that, it, it's not on, isn't it? A law. I think it's two and a half years old. Yeah, go and check that one out. It's a two-and-a-half-year-old law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's Why, cannot I mean, glamorise crime. Virgin... Cannot glamorise crime. crime. Virgin can publish my books, but they're not allowed to put a poster up saying Dave Courtney's got a new book out because the poster is glamorising crime. So how do you make money? You know, I, I, I'm not making a lot of money at the moment. I'm living on what I've had. Yeah, I've got a nightclub in my home. I, I, I do all right with other countries, people like this. I, I do all right. I do all right. I'm more of an envoy or an ambassador. I'm no longer an active criminal. Right, they're still on my telephone. They're still in, not last year, the year before last, I found five monitoring devices in my house. Five. The army came up and done it for me. Five. They're remote controlled. They were the brand new ones that they drive past and go bing, and then you can check your house out and there's none in there. Right? And then they just drive past and go bing, and you're live -o. I found one in my bedroom. One in my fucking bedroom. Forget all the gangsters they heard in the kitchen, they heard me having a wank. Mental, and they haven't laid off me at all because now they're now my biggest threat to them is I'm making crime look glamorous. Yeah, like, like I'm fucking... Um... Do you think you are, though? No, I'm not. I'm not glamorising crime. I'm glamorising Dave. Yeah, I'm, I'd, have been a, I'd have been a cocky postman. I'd have been a cocky milkman. I'm just having a laugh and having a thing. I'm not glamorising crime. I'm telling you now. Do not be a criminal. Hear me all that. I'm not glamorising crime. Today's the wrong time to be a criminal. You are not pitting your wits against the Sherlock Holmes policeman no more. You're trying to beat technology and you can't f***ing do that, mate. Right? You can't do that. They're taking pictures of you from the moon. Knock it on the head. Don't listen to the computer game, Tony Montana, the rapper. Yeah, they're singing about something that's old, like cowboys and Indians, knights in shining armour, pirates. They're all... Um, romantic gangsters of the day and gangsters are one of them words there's no longer any i'm not glamorizing it i'm glamorizing me so do you think that's a good thing what that you can't be a criminal yeah. no more? i don't know i just think it's history and no you can't be a pirate no more you can't be a cowboy no more not at that level a, no 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 you can't no longer be a gangster yeah. no more stop it there's people in pinstripe suits now up in the city but how do you process a couple of million pound a day you're a calculating guy you said you know you use knife 20 years you use gun this many years you use you know brass uh, uh you know that's going to give you 18 months, right? So you're pretty good. Cocaine, you know, you do cocaine, you have to share it with somebody. You smoke weed, you do, you know, acid, all this other. You're very calculating. It's very obvious. You're very calculating. So today, do you think the internet and what's happened, do you think that is making the world safer? Because a person no, cannot no, be no, against... No, 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 So tell me, so go, go, ta so you, you're going to route of the government has more control over the people than they I'm did before. I'm saying the government has every control over the people. Got it. Huh? And if they wanted to stop drugs, they could stop drugs they didn't want all them criminals out there they could stop the criminals coming out there they need criminals the biggest employer in america is the legal system the biggest employer for a, the whole of america is the prison officers the policemen the traffic wardens the solicitors the judges the hostels the probation officers right if everyone started not parking on a double yellow line do you think that england are going to sack one million traffic wardens do you think if they generally everyone stopped having crime, they got a sack? 50 million policemen, 80,000 prison officers. So, you know, they don't want that. They have to publicly be seen by that little box in the corner to be doing the right thing. Yeah, the computer or whatever. You understand what I mean? No, and, of course. Yeah, they can convince England from the television to go over to another country and blow it up for weapons of mass destruction and then go, oh, sorry, we were wrong. F*** off. If they can do that, they can convince you of anything. I've had them say things about me on the telly that I actually went to court with a bent policeman. And I went, I'm taping him, and he was going, no, he's paying me. I bugged him. So I got not guilty, and the copper went to prison. Excuse me, can I just hold myself when I'm saying that? I went to, I went to court, the copper got five years, and I got, I got not guilty mm -hmm. at the old Bailey. I saw that. Right, right. But they will actually, rather than me come out and write another book and everyone loves Dave Cooley, they actually started rumors. I was an informant. I was. Mm. Really? Well, if I answer that with one word, yeah, I've heard I might be an informant, but who? You can't go, well, Courtney's an informant. Well, who did he grass up? Well, I don't know, I just heard he was. It's too big of a word, or when did he? Yeah, I've, I've heard that said about me. That, had it been believed, I'd have been the shot. Who the police create the rumor, or do they allow the rumor to come out of. 
Dave Courtney pays the police. Dave Courtney's got the police in his hand. Right. Yeah, he's the cop. Dave Courtney went to court, dressed as a clown. The copper went to prison, and Dave got not guilty. Do you think they're going to allow that to happen if they've got control of the press, or do you think they won't? I'm asking you. No, that makes sense. Are you familiar with the Donny Brasco story, Joe Pistone, Very where much so, yeah. the FBI goes to Lefty yeah, and they say he is inter he is an informant, and yes. Lefty doesn't believe it, but he ends up being an informant. Right, yeah. And in this case, you're saying you're not. But by the way, what was your friction with, uh, uh, is it Frankie Fraser? What was the friction there? Frank, no, the, fric the truth about it always is, Frankie Fraser's wife ran off with my doorman, and he hated my guts for ever since. I couldn't prove to him I didn't know about it, I didn't know about it, I knew f all about it, but that's what happened. And when all that come up and the copper went, oh no, I'm paying Dave, Frankie went, yeah, I believe him, Dave's a gross. Sort of put an endorsement on it, even though the rest of the whole of the underworld, like the Ronnie and Reggie Cray said I was all right, Ronnie Biggs said I'm all right, Charlie Bronson said I'm all right, Richardson, Frankie, Freddie Ford. The only one that didn't say I was all right was him, because his wife had run off of my... Yeah, and I didn't like him for that. Yeah, I went round his house and I went to go and batter him, but when I went round there, he's 78, he's seven stone, I couldn't even hit him, he'd break. And I was like, fuck. What was that conversation like when you guys sat? There was no conversation, he shit himself, he opened the door, he had no teeth in a string vest, I went, I can't even hit you, you'll break, you fucking silly little man. Like, look at you, oof. You know what I mean? I didn't want someone to go and shoot him, he was just going, yeah, I believe the police. And then it went to court, I was found not guilty. So there shouldn't be no room. I was found not guilty. The policeman went to prison. I had the tape on and bugged the copper. What fucking more proof do you want? I would have caught dressed as a clown and battered him. What do you want me to do? You understand what mm -hmm. I mean? But he decided to go, no, I still believe the copper. So it made a little ill feeling, but it, not ill feeling enough for me to do anything. He's 80 years old. And had he actually, because he was a, a really big myth, he'd done 47 years in prison. And right, apparently not like in 40... one go, he got caught with every f***ing thing he ever done, the silly bastard. Everything he ever done, he got caught. And now he's done 47 years in prison. I am supposed to look up to him because he's done 47 years in prison. I think he's an arsehole. He's a complete knob. And, and that little myth about you go to prison and learn a lot of new crimes, that's not true. That's shit. You're only going to meet people that got f***ing caught. All you're going to learn in there is how not to do it. No one in there is going to be no criminal genius because they're all in f***ing prison. Right? All you're going to learn all day long is they're going to tell you, this is how I got caught, that's how I got caught. Um, anchor, gloves, fingerprints, um, GPS. They'll all tell you how they got caught. So if you then come out of prison and you want to carry on being a criminal, if you can remember all the ways that they told you they get caught, then you're a better criminal because you've remembered all the ways they got caught. But no one in there is going to teach you how to do it properly because they all got caught. Interesting. Does that not make uh, sense? No, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I mean, I understand the point you're making. And he said he had 40 hits, right? In his career, he had some number like that is uh, what you read about about uh, him. Um, it's not true. Yeah, that, I mean, that's what and it is. Because it, I knew all of the people that grew up in his era, yeah. the pulling the people's teeth out is all a fart, it's all not real. It never ever happened. That's part of the myth? It's all never happened. So right? let me ask you, he came during the era of uh, the Cray Brothers, yeah. the Cray Twins. So, who were the Cray twins in London? They How were, were they, they viewed? Were, they, were, they was on East London. Okay. It was a lot easier to be an hard nut then because there weren't a lot of great men around. We'd just come out of a war and all of our men had been killed. So there weren't a lot of men men around. Mm. Do you understand what I mean? I yeah? understand what you're saying. It was very poor. These two little brothers was in East London. It was quite easy to run Bethnal Green in, in them days because there was only 12,000 people living in East London. Now there is... 750,000 people living in London and none of them, half of them can't even say the name Cray Twin. Yeah, in them days they all spoke and understood English, right? When the Cray Twins were here, they spoke and understood England, English. Everyone was skint, you, there was no muggings and burglaries and you could leave your front door key on a piece of string because who's going to break in your house? What the f*** have you got in your house? There was nothing in there to nick, right? It was 1950, there's no one had nothing. You'd break in someone's house and leave them a fiver. It'd feel terrible. No one had nothing. So they run East London. There was a little firm called, um, I can't remember, I'll tell you in a minute, run North London. And the Richardsons run South London. The Nashies run North London, yeah? Richardsons were the cleverest by far. They bought, invested in diamond mines and all that, blah, blah, blah. So they were the entrepreneurs. They were the entrepreneurs. Okay. But the Cray Twins went for the glamour. They went for the headlines, the... 
newspaper things. The, they even borrowed other people's nightclubs to pretend that they're own. You know, when, when they died, the mums all still living in the same council as they were born in. Yeah, one was gay and didn't mind saying it was gay. And if anyone said he was gay, he would walk into a pub in front of everyone and shoot him for it. And the other one was gay, but didn't, didn't know how to tell everyone. So he got married, didn't sleep with his wife for a year and she killed herself. That's the truth of it. If I told you anything that weren't right, I'd get shot. I'm not talking to you about football or acting or singing. I'm talking to you about a naughty boy's world. And if I'm wrong about anything, I can't tell you this, can I? Yeah? I'll, be, I'll be too silly to actually. I'm telling you what I'm telling you is fact. And Frankie Fraser was a little bit of a dickhead. He lived in an old caravan on the Richardson's bloody, one of their breakers yards. And they came back with someone one day with a sack over him that they'd give him a, a clump. Right, tied him to a chair, got Frankie Fraser to, where their beat was whacking him, he was talking like that. So they got Frankie Fraser to take the, the thing off. Right? So the bloke saw Frankie. When, when they let him go and he went to court, what he said was, I was getting beat up inside the sack, the pain was that excruciating that it felt like Frankie Fraser was pulling my teeth out with pliers. Right? Full stop. When they reported the story in the morning to the public and the jury, before the case ended, you've got carte blanche as a journalist, can't you? You can start that conversation mm -hmm. wherever you want. Mm -hmm. And as they, as they went, he said, and Frankie Fraser was pulling my teeth out with pliers. Stop. Now, it suited the Richardsons to let the rest of the world think that they had a torturer, and it suited Frankie Fraser for the rest of the world to think he was connected to the Richardsons. Because he's only he's a midget, little skinny... Yeah. 10 stone ring wow. wet. And it suited him to let him think he was criminally collected. And it suited them to think that they had a torturer. They didn't have to actually hang around with him because he was in prison for 47 mm. years. So it just suited everyone. And then when he left, he come out and he's so deluded that on the cover of his book, he's 78, instead of sitting there with the globe in a library and talking about crime like that, he actually went, ha, 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 thinking he was still a scary... False, you know, like a complete and utter fucking knob. Yeah, sorry, you can see I, I really don't like the guy, yeah, but I'm not saying anything that is a lie. And if, because I've been saying it about him for 20 years while he was alive, had anything that anyone believed about him was true, I wouldn't be allowed to say it. Yeah, something would have happened to me had it been true. What he was saying about himself. What what myth about the Craig twins was true? Were they feared? Were they? Oh, no, definitely they feared. Yeah, they were. They were a naughty bit of work, but they wasn't um, as well organised or as well feared as was thought possible. They were in East London, a postcode. Yeah, yeah, that postcode. You understand what I mean? We we've got the same little postcode was now, but yeah, you're saying seven hundred thousand now. Back then it was twelve thousand. That's a yeah, big so difference. Yeah. 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 So, and, and who else would they, some of your heroes? Would, would you the also Freddy look Ford across like a Gotti or some of those things yeah, as well? Yeah, of course, yeah. Let's, let's, this is what happened. You, you kind of have a little bit of the... I'm, I'm going to tell you something. I'll tell you something happened to me, right? I'll tell you how I grew. Slipping back. We're going back now. That's where I started, right? After I wrote the book, Stop the Ride, I Want to Get Off, and it all come out about me wearing the... Uh, me wearing the f***ing court jackets out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I then get, to, I get an invite to go to Sicily to do a private audience with for 25 businessmen in their villa with five interpreters for five grand. So me and him go to Sicily, yeah? And we get there, and it's the fucking, you know, we only see them on telly, yeah, the mafia. We, we come from fucking Peckham, mate, you know what I mean? Yeah, we think we're bad, but we only see that on the telly, yeah? But these are the bad ones. And it was Bernasconi, before he was, I mean, and all these other people, that I, I didn't know who they were. It was just, it was fucking mental for me. And, he's, and he was talking in, uh, broken English, which makes it all sound gangstery to us, you understand what I mean? Uh, hey, baby, you don't talk to me about gangster, boy. I know one million, you see, saying it like that, I know one million bank robbers. I know one million murderers. I don't know any man that's going to court dressed like that, punch the copper in the face before he was sentenced. I said, fuck you. Tell me about that day, he said, because there is an unwritten rule book about going to court and that goes around the whole world, right? apart from the Costa Nostra. And I'll tell you why. When it says, first rule, do not bring all your friends with you. It says, wear a nice suit. Yes, sir, no, sir, please and thank you. And a letter from someone that's known you 20 years saying you're a nice guy. They're the fucking rules of going to court in whatever country you go to. The only people that don't have to abide by them is us. Because they, the judge knows it's John Gotti. It's not worth him coming in, being all fucking nice like that and, yeah? 
because he knows exactly what he is and who he is out there. So they come into court gangster, right? They come into court like lumps in their pocket and f knows what else. And he went, the only person I've ever seen do that is you, mate. He went, so you tell me, tell me what made you go court like that with all your friends walking bashed a copper dressed as a clown. Tell me that day, I'll give you your money and f off, yeah? So I've told him that day, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, I must have done all right, because when I come home, he's now ended up being the, the Prime Minister, bro. And, and the Italian bookshelf for true crime is the smallest bookshelf in the world, in, every, in any other country. Interesting. Right? Because they got the f***ing Mafia there. They're not interested in Cray Twin, the Great Train Robber, the Yardy thing, yeah? They've got the Mafia in, in the corner of Rome bookshop. Yeah, so they haven't got all the other different nationality ones like we have. Well, I ended up getting my book in there, which I thought was f***ing really great. Only because Moscone had then gone on, he, he's got his publishers. Your book his, made it there? Yeah, yeah, I've got, I've got it in Italian. I've got it in Italian. So then the Gambinos, right? What happened after that? They're all doing their little bit of talking. Then Jay-Z put my picture on the cover of his album on Blueprint. I spoke to the Oxford Union and they wrote a book about it and he thought that was really funny, a convicted felon teaching future parliament how to behave, yeah? Dave Courtney is <laughs> talking to the Oxford Union on how to f***ing behave. That is funny, yeah? Educatedly funny. So he put my photo of the Oxford Union with his head on it and called it Blueprint. So I'm sitting there talking to the to future parliament and he's put his head on it. So that's happened. So all that's being talked about. There's a book out about it. And the Gambinos, their family, I don't know who they were, how high up they were, but when they come over here, they have a six-week vacation and travel Europe, don't they? So they're all going around Europe, and they've gone. In, they've got in touch with Freddie Foreman, who is a superior in the crime world to me, yeah, and said we want to go to the Ministry of Sound. Well, that was my doorman. So he goes, Dave, listen, I've got some, got some young American kids over here, right? They want to go to the Ministry of Sound. He said, I'm too fucking old for all that bollocks, right? Would you look after them for me, you know? I said, yeah, of course I will, Fred, no problem. Tell them to come round my house. So these young f***ing kids come round my house as two, like, they weren't lumps, but they, were, they weren't their dad and they were too old to be their friend, yeah? They, you know, like, mm. so they've had a wicked time at my house. I'm having a laugh and they're joking, they look puff and they couldn't show him. And, oh, wow, they've gone to the Ministry of Sound, they've had a f***ing wicked night. Didn't want to go back to the hotel, stayed the night in my house, I've got a big old house. Had a f***ing great time. So by the time they go back to... Whatever mum and dad they got there, they're going Dave, 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 yeah? Dave, Dave, Dave's doing all right out there in America at the moment anyway with all the other little things of f***ing uh, Jay-Z and Rancid. I don't know if you've heard of the band Rancid. Mm. One of their one of their tracks on their album. So I've got the, the naughtiest white guys singing about Dave Courtney in America. I've got the naughtiest black guys singing about Dave Courtney in America. I've got the Gambinos kids all going, he's f***ing lovely. I've got the f***ing, the mafia bloke who ended up being the Prime Minister of Italy going, Good book, good fucking book, right? So now we're all going over to America, right? Now we're going over there to do some, what was you going over there for? The Virgin. Oh, for the Virgin, for the book thing. And I ended up not selling it in America because I had a fucking picture of me smoking a cigar on the cover. And because the cigar was on the cover. And they were not comfortable with that? Yeah, yeah, it was huh. like promoting smoking. I was like, Interesting. fucking hell, man. Anyway, by the time it gets over there, the Gambino people had heard I was coming. He's my pal, but he's a coward, yeah? He's brave in other things, but he's, he's a coward, right? But he, he's, I live with him, he's beautiful, but the fighting thing and the gangster thing really ain't his. Cup to you, right? And so we get to the fucking airport, and these two blokes come over to us, and I'm with a few of us, weren't there? And he goes, Mr. Corny, I'm going to have to separate you from your company at the moment, but there's some very important people that need to say hello to you. It won't take a long time. So, I'm ready to start screaming so they couldn't take me away. Help me, help me, so, so I couldn't get killed, you understand what I mean? He's going, that's all right, mate, yeah, off you go, take him. And I'm like, sweet, see you later, Dave. Like, you know, that's, that's what he's doing to me. But it's just Gambino a lot, and they're taking me around to meet all these people I've never met before, old men smelling a little bit like tomatoes, all going, looking at old black and white pictures. I didn't know anyone, but I looked after the kids and blah, 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 and all, all things like that, yeah, the grandkids mm -hmm. and all that. Drops him back to the hotel, they're all coming out of the hotel, they're going now to Jay-Z's club. So we're going to Jay-Z's club, we don't know where it is. So the driver has got to come in the car goes, I'll take you there, he went, I don't know where it is, I'll, I'll take you. So he takes us now to Jay-Z's club. I'm going to him, f***ing hell, it's 
fucking can't be. You know, I'm being honest. I'm, I'm, I'm buzzing on here, right? I'm not saying I'm one of. The, I'm not. I'm not in, in. I'm not the best shot. I'm not the best one. I'm not. I'm not. No. Scary phone book. That's my game. Yeah, and I'm and I make you laugh. Mm. Mate, right? So he, he then goes, I'll take you. So he gets us to this fucking club. There's a big load of queue going up this side, and a big queue going up that side. And these doormen, English people don't come that big. I don't know where <laughs> you Americans get black men that big. I don't know how the f*** that happens. Like, like, they must really hurt their mum coming out. They must really hurt their mum. Because like, it's like, f*** me, man, how the f*** is that for real? You know, I can't imagine that. This is in New York? In New York, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. It's just f***ing crazy. Anyway, so then he pulls up and he goes, wait a minute. And he just runs up the stairs, talks to the doorman and goes, oh. and they went, no, come up. So when we come up and they just let me, let me straight in and I was going to go and hang my coat up. So I'm where can I put my coat? He said, I'll just give it that man over there. And as I'm walking up to him to give him my coat, he's got his back turned. And he's talking and he goes, I don't know who the f*** they are, man. I don't know who the... He goes, but if he's got the campinos dropping him off here as a cab, I'm f***ing being nice to the guy. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wow. Well, and it just sort of grew. From something that was like a trick, not a trick, you know what I mean? Like, all of that happened in a... I couldn't have planned it, I couldn't have planned all of that. Going to Sicily, doing the... Getting my book out over there, Jay-Z put me on the cover of his thing, again being over technically... I couldn't have planned all that, mm. you know what I mean? You couldn't... But it ended up like that. That's amazing. That's amazing when you... I mean, you know, you read about the Cray Twins, it goes back to how Sinatra used to come here and he used right, to ask yeah, yeah. them to hire their security. That's right. Judy Garland used to come and do things with them. I mean, they were publicity, they were prostitutes for publicity. Their myth. Oh, they were prostitutes they were for, for publicity? For, 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 for publicity. Both of them. Yeah, they were prostitutes for publicity. That's right. Yeah, they, they, they courted the press massively. You mm. understand what I mean? In, and that's what actually eventually got them caught. You understand what I mean? That's what, what they, they run away and believed it all. They actually run away and believed their own hype. Yeah. In reality, when they died, that between them all, they never had fifty thousand pounds. It wasn't. Yeah, you they read, never had you 50 read that, and, right, and they didn't own a house. They lived, mum lived in the same. And how does that happen, though? I mean, how, how well, they just didn't want money. They wanted fame more than they did money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. Huh. And the Richardsons wanted the money. They had the money right. and the power. That's right, yeah. Huh. And what the and what the police and the press done is they made them to fight each other. You know, they made they, they caused the conflict so that once you two are fighting, it's easier for the police to come mm. along afterwards. And, you know what I mean? Yeah. West Side, East Side, and all that. They can they can cause conflict, and that actually gets them gets them caught. You know, and, and Richardson's didn't want the conflict, but they made all that happen. I, was, I actually instigated the very first time the Richardson's met Crows. After 30 years, I took Charlie Richardson, who got out of prison, to go and visit Reggie Cray, who was in prison. They'd both been inside 30 years. Mm -hmm. And Frankie Fraser oh, you and said, Charlie you Richardson. Said the whole I set the whole thing up, yeah. How was that meeting? Yeah, mad. Yeah, mad. It was like, well, you could see, I, I like talking, but that was just, you, you down. It was like electric, and I just went into this prison, and no one said, I just pushed the tables up together, no one said nothing, and they all sat around it, and they was holding each other's hands like, wow, listen, I'm wow, funny with... Oh, like, really? Yeah, yeah, really? beautiful. And then he, wow, it was warm, warm like a level of, eyes. you saw a certain yeah, yeah, level yeah, of just, respect wow. and unity? Sorry, we here, um, Last time they saw each other, they were, you know, yeah, beautiful, beautiful. When, when did it kind of, uh, not necessarily disappear, when did it kind of, all settled down a bit here. It all settled down a bit here as soon as they all went to prison. They all got 30 years. They all got 30 they years? They got 30 years. Got it. And their whole firm got 30, uh, 10, 20 and odd years. Mm. Right? What is not a good advert for British crime is on the day they were sentenced, their solicitor, who was my solicitor mm -hmm. and my barrister, said to them, the evidence against you is so strong that it is impossible to get not guilty, right? So the deal I've got for you is, if you want to go guilty, I can let the rest of your whole firm out. If you go not guilty, you are all going to get 20 years and you two are going to get 30 years. But if you want to go guilty now, your whole firm can walk and you have to get found guilty. There was too much against you. You walked into the pub and shot him. You ain't going to get away with that. Yeah, everyone's saying, they said, you know, and they went, no, no, we want our firm in with us. We want our firm in prison with us and chose to bring them in prison with them when they could have let them go. 
That makes me want to vomit and be embarrassed to be an English criminal. That is not leader material, is it? They could have said guilty and let their whole firm go home, but they went not guilty and took their whole firm to prison with them. Why, why did they do that? Because to to set up power yeah. in? Well, because they were too frightened to go to prison on their own. Right? Outside of prison, yeah. they had an army around them. Inside prison, they were going to be segregated on their own. Mm. So they took their army in with them. And then after being in prison for just 24 f***ing months, Reggie wrote a book admitting it all anyway. Genesis, when he no, became... no, 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 he, he became Christian. That's just all not real. But uh, he, he, that was just part of the course. There was nothing else to do. He became openly gay in prison and all that. And then the Christian bit was to hopefully give him a little bit of leeway that they might let him out. It's the only thing he had left to do to say I'm a nice bloke now, you understand mm. what I mean, was turn Christian. But his whole firm, which I knew well, which were all good friends of mine, were gobsmacked. They've just got 20 years, he got 10 years, right? They know that he'd been offered the deal to go, go guilty and we'll let your firm off. None of the firm can really say to him, go guilty, go guilty, go guilty, because every man's got the right to try and win a court case. Mm -hmm. But they was thinking f***ing hell. So they lived with it, even though he didn't go guilty. They all went to prison. And then I think it was 24 or 36 months after that, he wrote a book admitting it anyway. So they all went, why the f*** didn't you, what? <laughs> why didn't you admit it? Did he drop everyone's Did names he? in the book yeah, as well? Yeah, oh, of course. Yeah, got it. Why didn't you admit it? Yeah that you did it then, and then none of us would have had to go to prison. Did, there, did the people turn against them or no? Uh, no, because they're now, they're now locked up and they were turned into mythical characters. All of a sudden the West, uh, the East End started getting filled up with Indians, Pakistanis, Polish, Russians, Jamaicans, Irish, and they lost their English culture and they got all wrapped up in a romance of it, thinking it was all because the Cray twins went away. Let me, let me ask you this, let me ask, you know how uh, uh, military has a code, you know, the Italian Mafia has a code, the La Cosa Nostra has a code. Uh, uh, what was the code that, was there a code you guys lived by? Of and course. If yes, what was the of code? Of course, I'm going to tell you exactly what it is. I'll tell you, what it is. I'll tell you why it's not here at all. England had just come out of a war, and a spy or a grass was the worst thing in the world. One spy is more dangerous than a thousand men. Walls have ears, right? and all of that. So if you was a policeman at the time and you caught a criminal, yeah, and you become a snitch, you would get cut to f***ing ribbons, you'd get killed for being a snitch. But if you was a, a policeman at the time, your job was hard, because no one grasped anybody up. England was known as the bulldog nation, yeah, you could pull our fingernails out and we wouldn't tell anyone. So we wouldn't tell the secrets. That was what England was about, alright? And then they realised that the war, like the war years had made a nation of non-informants. So they spent the next 60 and 50 years convincing you that informing was good. On every single f***ing television station now, on every single channel, on primetime television, if you would have said this to me 25 years ago, I'd have called you a liar. There was a program going, and if you see this guy, just ring us up and we'll give you some money. And if there's another two, oh, we've got one phone call already. Come on. And if you see this phone, if you see these, yeah, and then there's a thing in every newspaper, if you know someone that's working while claiming social, if you know anyone selling drugs, if you know anyone selling arms, if you know anyone that's drink driving, like they've made grassing acceptable and good. And now if you get caught for being a, an informant, you don't get beat up in prison, you go in the informant's ring where the other 20,000 of you are. So it ain't such a bad thing no more. So they have now drummed it home to England that informing is good. And then some bright spark has now gone, if your mum and dad smack your bottom, they ban the cane, they ban the cane, which meant if you're a boy, getting six whacks across the arse with a bit of wood at the end of the day stopped you being naughty. Yeah, getting a detention or told off or something, yeah. Getting someone smack you across the bum with a bit of wood at the end of the day, put manners on you, yeah? Mm -hmm. Right, they banned that, and now someone's just banned it that you cannot smack your own kids. If you smack your mum, if your mum smacks you, you can tell us and we will put her in prison. They teach the children 559-33214. They teach them the telephone number to ring if your own mum and dad discipline you. Now that is the f***ing Hitler youth. Cross your mum and dad up if they smack you. So you've got no discipline at school and you've now got no discipline at home. Your own mum can't give you a smack on the bum, right? So what chance has the kid got when he gets to 16, 17 and leaves home to go out in a big wild world? He don't know discipline. 
And I say, what are we going to do about the youth of today? You've lost that war, it's gone, yeah, because of that. And they now teach children to go and grass on your mum and dad if you get smacked bum. Well, somewhere along the line, that has got to come back and bite you. Teaching your country to be informants and putting it on telly and having all of that and teaching your kids to grass at your mum and dad. Somewhere down the line, that has got to come back and bite you because that don't make a proper f***ing man. Yeah, we've done well today, didn't we? Code? What's the code? The code is all the army things. Right? The whole country was army orientated. Don't tell tales. Nice short haircuts. Love your mum. Shiny shoes. Nice. It was army. The whole country was army fired. The whole youth of the whole but when the they left the army. To that was was the was the gangsters code? Was yeah, that exactly the, code? the same. You look after your mum. You're nice and tidy, nice and smart. You do not tell tales. You never leave one man behind you. All the army things come wow. straight out onto road. That's the code, right? And what they have done now in today's world is they broke all that up and made that not right when it is right. They still teach you that in the army, but when everyone the war finished, we're talking about the 50s, that, yeah, discipline the went away. That, that discipline was still on road. Everyone left the army and was still doing bank robberies with like 10 or 15 people in it. They were like army manoeuvres. Now you only rob a bank with one or two, but they were, you know, it was all army fight and the code was, you do not tell tales like the army, yeah? You do not run away and leave a man down, right? Nice shiny shoes, short haircuts, and love your mum. Mm. And that was the code on the road. And they went away. And they've now broke that down so that ain't there. And, and I don't, if I introduced you to 20 different criminals 25 years ago, you'd see an armed robber, a cat burglar, a kidnapper, a a murderer. Now you're just doing narcotics. And with the vast amount of money involved in narcotics, everything and everyone is bribable. Law, policemen, gangsters. Yeah, you know what I mean? To go and get someone killed once was 20 grand. It was a lot of money. Now you can go and get it done for all. Have it for all. Don't have to have enemies. You don't get caught for it. Just ask some little Russian bloke who lives in Norwich to come down and do it. Mm -hmm. Done. He goes back up there. I'm afraid the only way to be a successful drug dealer now is to be on that side. You know, I'll, I'll get chastised for saying that. But the, the informant network they have is so good, no one could be a drug dealer and the police not know. Don't be stupid enough to think that you are a drug dealer and have been a drug dealer What's for What's the you. pro and the con of that? The pro and the con of it is you can sell more if more people know you're doing it, but the police will know. So the police will just find a way to actually get you working for them. No one's ever going to go, I'm an informant. If they actually catch you and go, right, I've had your phone bugged, your house bugged, and all these photographs, I've now got 20 years for you, 20 years for your son, 20 years for your daughter, and 20 years for your wife. Or do you want to work for me? Because you're getting that. What do you want to do? Quick. Is that literally it right now? That's is how it, it works. How long has it been like this? A long, a long time, and that's how it works. Oh, and anyone years. now doing it okay. is Got one. It. So let me let me ask you this. Final thoughts here, okay? You, you, you've seen a lot. You've done a lot. I mean, obviously, we didn't get into a lot of the uh, things you've uh, done yourself because you have a, a rap sheet yourself on the things you've done. You're at a different phase of your life right now, right? Yeah. You've seen a lot. I mean... You know, when someone comes in, you're extremely ambitious, I'm gonna make my point, I'm a leader, I'm a delegator, I'm gonna be able to figure out exactly what I do, and then boom, a little bit more, I gotta make money, I realize how important the money part is, oh shit, the famous here kinda got me uh, away from being able to make the money I used to make before, all this other stuff. And now, this is a different phase, right? Life is about a lot of different phases. What are you looking back now, saying, you know, Dave, you, like you said, you bit your tongue, you shouldn't have told the cop, that we also yeah. have guns, except you have a certificate, we don't. What Do you have any other thing where if somebody, a young uh, 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 man is watching, if somebody's watching the saying, what I can I take really, I away feel, from you? I feel you? really sorry for them. Because, I, and, and, and it happens to everyone when they get older, in whatever field you're in, crime as well, you, you long to do that. Yeah, put your head on someone and teach them and let you know what I know without having to go through all the hardships. But in the crime world now, what I know and what I'm used to is no good to you anymore. Trusting someone, being good character, shaking your hand and all that means nothing. Now, the more nasty and gun-ho and spiteful and murderous you are, the more respect you get. The more murdering, deceitful you are, they're the ones that's making it. So what I've got to offer that crime world is very old-fashioned and I would come very second very quick. I've got nothing to offer them. 
I just feel like I never want to cry. And that's God's honest truth. It's, and, I, and there's nothing more rewarding than being able to go, look, let me help you. Meaning get out yeah, or? That's, that's my saying, get out. Get out. Stop so, looking at Scarface on the fucking video. Get out. There is no more. There is no more of them. There is no more of them. And the only ones that they're letting be them gangsters now that are sending the drugs are working for the police. Because the police know they're a drug dealer. Don't think there's any drug dealer that the police don't know you're a drug dealer. So the reason they're letting you be one is because you're working for them. If they wanted to stop you, they would stop you. So listen, I mean, we can sit here and you can go with stories. It's endless stories. I mean, it's like nonstop with you and stories. Uh, but, uh, you know, I appreciate you coming out and being willing to share. And more than anything else, sometimes it's great to hear somebody who's gone through a life, you've seen it, you've hung out with all the people that people read about, and you're coming back and saying, you know, I don't know if I recommend this lifestyle. I don't know if I recommend you yeah. wanting to go this route. Maybe take a different route for your life to the young people that are I'm not saying maybe, I'm saying definitely take another one. Maybe if you'd have asked me that 30 years ago, I might have said it's all right. But right now is the wrong time to be a criminal, man. It's a wrong time to be a criminal. The wrong time. Powerful to know that it is the wrong time to be a criminal because it just means it's safer for work. Oh, that is so touche. <laughs> hey, you gotta leave that in. You gotta, gotta leave that in. That was on cue. That was on cue. <laughs> oh my. Dave Courtney is in the building. Leave. It sounds like my taxi. <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a good one, wasn't it? Yeah, that was a good. So having said that, we're going to end on this. Again, thanks for coming out to Value Tame. Appreciate pleasure, your time. Well, Thank you. Thanks, everybody, for listening. And by the way, if you haven't already subscribed to Value Tame on iTunes, please do so. Give us a five-star. Write a review if you haven't already. And if you have any questions for me that you may have, you can always find me on Snapchat, Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube. Just search my name, Patrick Bidavid. And I actually do respond back when you snap me or send me a message on Instagram. With that being said, have a great day today. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye.